So good morning, Reading Family Church. If we've not met before, my name is Sean. And 22 years ago, uh, we first started meeting on Sunday mornings as Reading Family Church. So for me, this weekend uh, is a poignant weekend for us. It's good to do that. My wife and I, Liz, we've been on sabbatical for three months over the summer, uh, June, July and August. Next Sunday, um, we're going to spend a little bit of time just feeding back what we fence think God is saying to us and so that's next Sunday but in three Sundays time on the 8th of October we're having what we call Vision Sunday for the last 22 years for one Sunday in September we've just brought back to the church reminding the church what we believe God is calling us to do uniquely in the town of Reading and beyond so if you're new uh, you've joined over the summer months and you've not yet met Liz and I, we'd love to meet with you. We've got a newcomer's lunch in a few weeks' time. But also that Sunday, Vision Sunday, 8th of October, will be really helpful so you can sense in God, is God adding you to us because this is what this church is going for in the coming season as best as we can figure it out. Vision Sunday on the 8th of October. All good? You're still with me? Great. So we're continuing in our sermon series that Andy started last, last week about God's kingdom come. Throughout this term in the book of Matthew, God's kingdom come. And so I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come now to settle down our hearts and to stir us that the soil of our hearts would be uh, loose. And easily broken up that the seeds of the gospel can take root in our lives. So Holy Spirit, I want to pray for every woman and every man in this room right now. That the seeds of our heart, uh, that the soil of our heart would receive gospel seed this morning. Come Holy Spirit, pray for every children's worker, every child. Come Holy Spirit, be at work in us I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So this morning's message I've entitled, First Things First. First Thing First. And we'll be reading from Matthew 6, verse 33. It will come up on the screen behind me. It says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, if you're new to church or don't regularly read the Bible, I want to let you know that this verse comes out, uh, is recorded in a block in teaching that we Christians call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus sat down on a mountainside, crowds gathered around him, and he gave a series of talks and explanations about what it means to live in, to bring the kingdom of God. And we call that the Sermon on the Mount. And he covered all sorts of things. It was like his manifesto of what kingdom in the God life is like, addressing the kind of challenges of a day, the same challenges that we too face. In the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about issues like anger and adultery, and divorce, I mean, there's appropriate then, as it is for us today, about making vows and committing ourselves to do things. He talked about revenge, how we're to handle our rivals, who we consider our rivals and our enemies. He talked about the perennial problem of the poor in those times, just as we have poor today. 
He talked about how you should pray and how you should fast. He even talked around attitudes towards money and what should we feel about, you know, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live. He spoke into all those things. And through all of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6 and 7, through all of that, Jesus is basically saying, summarized in 6.33, saying this, get your priorities right and everything else falls into place. So as we start this sermon series, looking at you know, bringing the kingdom of God, stuff that we can be doing, just like last week and this week, I like together just setting our posture. How do we posture ourselves to bring the kingdom of God wherever we find ourselves? So today, it's more about your posture. What's the inclination of your heart? Uh, where's your orientation of your life? It's about the kingdom of God. That's what we're looking at today. You up for that? Yeah, You've got to because this is where we're going for the next... <laughs> 25, 30 minutes. So we're going to work our way slowly through this verse. So the first thing is the word seek. Jesus said this, but seek. The word seek simply means to search for, you know, to try and find, to try to obtain something. And it implies two things, to seek something. It's going to take a little bit of time and most likely it's going to take a little bit of energy. On Friday, Liz and I, we decided to do our jobs Friday morning. I do the bathrooms and hoovering. Liz is on dusting and washing. And then I heard from Liz, I can't find Mr. Sheen, the polish, furniture polish. So for about an hour and a half, Mr. Sheen seemed to be absent from our house. Our daughter's just gone to uni. We didn't know. She said, no, no, I've just used it. I can't find it now. And then I found it in the bathroom that I just filled out. I said, I found Mr. Sheen. And he said, I've just put it there because I found it. And what happened is, the reason I'm telling you this is this. For, I'm thinking for about an hour and a quarter, Mr. Sheen was locked in our house. But within an hour and a quarter of primarily Liz looking for Mr. Sheen, he was discovered and then used. Our front room smelled fantastic. But it took time. When Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God... It's not like trying to find Mr. Sheen. Most likely you can sort it out in an hour and a quarter, depending on how busy your house is and how tidy it is. It's a lifetime pursuit. So this is something we don't just do quickly. It takes time. In fact, this seeking that Jesus is talking about is a way of life. That's what we're talking about here. And what makes a search a search is that you may not get immediate success, if at all. And it's going to take some energy. You know, Lizzie's energy was expected as she's running up and down the stairs. I mean, my head was in what I was doing, cleaning the bathrooms. But I was just saying, she was expending energies because Mr. Sheen wasn't going to come to her. And Jesus is saying, he's not saying, receive the kingdom of God, stand there passively, just receive it. Expend no energy, because then all we'd have to really do is simply receive it and say, thank you, Jesus, I've received the kingdom. He is saying, seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. R.T. Kendall said this about it. Seeking is a pursuit. So the first thing we need to posture ourselves as we consider bringing the kingdom of God to Reading and beyond, as we look at bringing the kingdom come through this sermon series, we seek. 
It's a pursuit. It's going to take time and energy. And spoiler alert, just we're going to get to this. We seek the kingdom of God and benefits come. Our task is to seek. God's task is to add all things. We'll get to that later. So we seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus said we're to seek it first. In the sense it's not just one item on your to-do list. Because if Jesus said just seek the kingdom of God, you could almost pursue God's kingdom alongside your career. You could seek God's kingdom alongside your hobby or your sports interest. You could seek God alongside a relationship that you desire or even a property. Or you could seek it alongside your endeavours to get that visa that you need. You could seek God trying to get that car or any other good thing. And that would mean that seeking the kingdom of God basically is just one of those things that hopefully you get to on your ever-growing to-do list. Whether you're like me, I've got a mental to-do list and when I've done stuff, I then literally write it down to tick it off. Or whether you uh, only do the things you first write in your to-do list. But actually, seeking God is not just added to your do list, it's at the top. It is your priority. Jesus said first. It is to be seeking first. It is your highest priority. It is to take precedence for all of your life. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year. I started as best I was able seeking God first when I was 22. I am now 56. I'm hoping I will seek God's kingdom first all the days of my life. It's ensuring the first thing is always first. So Jesus said, when he talked about the kingdom of God, the posture of our hearts is this. It is to seek first. What are we to seek first? The kingdom of God. Now remember, when Jesus was teaching this, the listening Jews in the crowd gathered around what we now call the Sermon on the Mount. They were aware of and they longed for just the return of the glory days of King David and King Solomon, when the, the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, was at its peak. And the Jews, they were living with promises from God that alluded that those days were going to be restored. Remember, in Jesus' time, they were under foreign oppression. And so the people of God, they could remember in their collective memory what it was like to be a mighty kingdom. And they had these promises of God that that kingdom was somehow going to be restored through a Christ, through an anointed one. And so when Jesus came back, and we'll read it later on in the books of Matthew, as he approaches Jerusalem, and then people start singing Hosanna and laying down palm trees, they were thinking that the kingdom of God is going to be restored. But their understanding of it was too thin. Their expectations of what the kingdom of God was too shallow. It was a bit like, have you ever been out with a coffee snob to like, a, and they, coffee snobs don't take you to Costa. They found some bespoke, bespoke uh, coffee place where they do their own grinding and baking, whatever they do to coffee. Anyway, 
when you go with a coffee snob to a shop and you order a decaf skinny latte and you can see their revulsion on you because they realize that my expectation of coffee with a skinny decaf latte is it's like underdeveloped. They kind of think, why on earth do you want a skinny you're taking away all the fat, all the caffeine, all the taste, all the things, just to have a neat shot with these Arabica blend beans that have been ground between the thighs of that huge guy over there. He's carefully done this for hours. You need it from him. You know what coffee snobs are like. You see, the thing is, when it comes to coffee, I've got a very thin, skinny, decaf appetite. And yet the coffee snobs, they understand how good that shot of coffee can be. And you see... When we talk about the kingdom of God, it is more than a geographic territory. You saw that last week. It's not a place like a church. It's not a political movement. It's not even a set of great ideas. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of God's power breaking in and coming forth upon the people of God. It is the reign of God that is dynamic in the sense that it is breaking in with God's power by the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that from last week? It is a sense of those waves coming over the Indian Ocean and breaking on that beach in Durban, wave after powerful wave of God. That's what we're talking about. It's not a, a decaf, skinny, latte version of the kingdom of God. It's even more than the Jewish people of the original hearers were thinking. It's way bigger. And Jesus is making sure that their understanding of the purposes of God, the kingdom of God coming, is active. It's dynamic. It changes life. It breaks in. When his power breaks into our lives, it brings hope. It brings light. It brings healing. It brings forgiveness. It brings freedom. It, it, it brings second chances. It removes those blots and stains that stick to us. And nothing else can get rid of it. The kingdom of God breaks in. We become spiritually born again into a new kingdom. Now this is really important that we get this in our posture. That we understand the richness of, of what it means of the kingdom of God and us being born into a new kingdom. You see, all of us in this room, we started in the dominion of darkness. That's where we were born into. We were estranged from God's loving rule and his reign in our lives. We were enslaved by sin and we were acclaimed by death. And we didn't even know it. But then we heard the good news of Jesus Christ, didn't we? Through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be rescued from the kingdom of darkness. We can come from the kingdom of darkness and we can be transformed into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. When Jesus used the term being born again, he was thinking of a brand new life in a very different kingdom with a different way of living, a different way of doing, with a brand new set of allegiances. Now, I don't know if you know this. Clayton Chetia, he's one of our elders. He was born in South Africa. But he and his family, they moved in the UK in December 2013. Two years ago, Clay became a British citizen. 
part of which means passing the life in the UK test. Does anyone else pass? Put your hand up if you've passed life in the UK test. Look around. So numbers of people, they officially know how to live in the UK. That's amazing. Now, Clay is a citizen of the United Kingdom, but there are some allegiances that Clay is always going to hold on to in terms of being a South African. Clay, and I wasn't allowed to put this on the floor, Clay will be pulling on today this Springboks jersey. I'm not sure I'm allowed to wear it. I know I can't put it on the floor. So Clayton, this afternoon, when they play, after all, they are the current Rugby World Cup champions, if you're unaware of that. Most South Africans are living this at the moment. <laughs> but this afternoon, he will be pulling on, and that is appropriate, even though he's a UK citizen, to have that allegiance to his old way of life. But in a similar way, when we transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, it is not appropriate to pull on a rugby shirt from the old dominion of darkness. It is not appropriate to harbour any more allegiances to ways of thinking, to ways of acting, whether that's through bitterness or through joy, whether it's through uh, thankfulness or whatever. We no longer have any allegiances to that old way of thinking. It is not appropriate it is not appropriate to pull on any rugby shirt from the old dominion of darkness. And we need to get hold of that. Jesus says that must stop. We're seeking first the kingdom of God. We're in a new kingdom now. And there's a way of thinking we need to have undone for when we used to live in the dominion of darkness. For Jesus says that we must seek first the kingdom of God that we have now been born into. We are not given dual nationality. You cannot hold dual nationality. We need to turn away from old allegiances and old ways of thinking. And it's not just about the dominion of darkness. It is not appropriate to build your, old, your own kingdom. You've been transferred out of the dominion of darkness and of being the king of your own life. You're now in the kingdom of God. So we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's at least two ways the Bible talks about righteousness. One being ha having the right standing before God. In the Old Testament... Uh, the way related to God was that the high priest, at uh, one time a year, if he followed the right prescription of killing animals, writing the right clothes and rituals to go through, he could step from the holy place into the most holy place through the curtain and he could behold the Ark of the Covenant above which the very presence of God would manifest and he knew it wouldn't kill him because he had right standing with God through the sacrificial system and the rituals and the clothing and the manner in which he's done it. He is now able to come before God because he has right standing before God. 
That right standing before God, there's righteousness before God. When you put your faith in Jesus, you don't have to keep seeking after that type of righteousness. You don't have to keep seeking for right standing. That is credited to you immediately you put your faith in Jesus. The Bible uses the word imputed. So the immediate moment you trust in Jesus' death and his resurrection, in that moment, the righteousness of Jesus is imputed to you, is credited to you, and it's for all time. It's done. You don't need to seek about that anymore. That type of righteousness, and I'll get back to that later, isn't what this passage is talking about. It's another type of righteousness. It's about the way that we... Uh, live out God's commands. It's about the way that we know God so well and you know what pleases him. You want to live in a way that pleases him, that your daily actions, your daily choices, your relationships, you conduct in such a way because you know God and you've read the Bible and you obey what the Bible teaches. You live in such a way that your lifestyle is righteous before the living God. Liz and I have three children. Uh, my son's 25, my oldest daughter's 23 and married, my youngest is 19, she's at university. And as we're growing up, we said, listen, we're the groovy greens, it's just how we roll. And we said, if you get a groovy greens, this is the family likeness, and it's not my stunning square chin, that's not what we're talking about here, it's characteristics. If you, get a, if you meet a groovy green, this is what you're gonna get, this is the family likeness. We love God. I, unashamedly so, we're full on for God. We have fun. There is laughter in our house. Name it the crazy stuff I make mess up. But there is fun in our house and we work hard. That's what you get for the green. We love God. We have fun. We work hard. Unashamedly so. Yesterday, was my, my boy was with us and I was listening to him talking about his life. The delight and joy I had because he's manifesting the family likeness of how he's loving his church, about how he's working hard. And he's laughing and bringing joy and having fun. He said, I love that. Because he's my boy. That's the family likeness of the Greens. In the same way, sisters, brothers, once our actions incurred the wrath of God, now we can live in such a way to give him joy and delight and happiness. And somehow God can feel proud of us because of how we live, the choices we're making. It's his righteousness being demonstrated in our lives that is good. We're choosing to go his way. We get this knowledge of that righteousness through spending time with him in prayer, from reading his word and living it out, and by being with his people. So first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That is what we're looking to do. And then what happens? All things will be added to you. There's two kinds of promises in the Bible. I don't know if you've picked it up or maybe you're new to the Bible. But if you're new to the Bible, there's two kinds of promises in the Bible. Conditional and unconditional. Unconditional promises have no conditions. It's like the second coming of Jesus. Jesus has promised to come again. That's unconditional, regardless of what you do do, regardless of what you don't do, Jesus is returning. That, that is a, a, an unconditional promise that is made that is true. That is going to happen, no ifs, no buts. Conditional promises in the Bible 
are usually preceded by an if. It would be implied or it would be there. If you do this, God will do that. If you do this, I will do this. This all things will be added to you is a conditional promise in the Bible. All things will be added to you if you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. If you do that first, you won't have to worry about food or housing or clothing. They are God's problems. If you are seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness, we should be worrying about whether our priority in life is knowing God better, but our material needs, that's all on God. That's for him to figure out. We see this shadowed in the Old Testament. Do you remember King Solomon? I referred to him earlier. King Solomon followed his father David and the, the kingdom of Israel at that time was really kind of burgeoning. It was growing in influence and in wealth. And King Solomon realized he had this enormous responsibility to literally rule and reign on behalf of God. He was bringing God's kingdom. He was represented God's kingdom. And understandably, he found that slightly overwhelming. And God said to him, what do you want me to do for you to equip you for such a task? And Solomon brilliantly, he said, for me to bring your kingdom, to rule your kingdom, to represent your kingdom rule and reign amongst the people, what does he ask for? And then what does God do? He gives him wisdom and incredible fame and fortune. So King Solomon wanted wisdom so that he could bring the kingdom of God in his time. And because he pursued that, God gave him unthinkable fame and fortune. There's the principle. It's there in Scripture. So Solomon could have asked for fame and fortune, but he didn't. But God added to his wisdom, fame and fortune. If we commit to seek God's kingdom first, and then we think about what pleases him, I'm certain of this, God will work behind the scenes on your behalf because the Bible says so. Seek the kingdom of God first and all these things will be added to you do. But here's a top tip. This is what I've discovered over the years. When you're seeking God's kingdom, make sure you're seeking his face not his hand. Not what the, the giver can give you. It, it's funny, isn't it? God gives us stuff. And sometimes we want the stuff he gives more than we want the giver. Or sometimes we want to just do things for God because we're hoping he's going to give us something. Friends, that will never satisfy our souls. Keep your eyes on our great benefactor, our great giver, God himself. And everything else that we need will be added to you. Don't trust our hearts. Our hearts can be bent sometimes on seeking his hands and not his face. I want to circle back just as we can come into a land about the righteousness of God. Remember I talked about that, having right standing before God, doing what pleases him. But I want to talk about 
righteousness. And I, Glenn Scrivener, he preached here amongst us. In fact, he, he preached the gospel outside my house one Christmas. It was an amazing guy. He helped me think this all through. He talks about the righteousness or the right standing before God by using three, two, one. Between God, the world, and you. Can I just have the three up for now, please? That would be good. So when we talk about the right standing before God, we talk about three. According to the Bible, God is a loving union of three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, and there is one God. And this family of love predated the world and this community of love of Father, Son and Holy Spirit produced the world but more than that created the world more than that there is good news the Son of God Jesus the Christ has come into the world to invite us into this union of love into this family of love that is Father, Son and Holy Spirit each person is fully God and there is one God. And Jesus has come to invite us into that union of love. Three, two. The world. The world is shaped by two representatives. You see, the Bible begins with the story of Adam. Now, if you're unaware of it, Adam means mankind. Adam, in the Bible, he's a representative of us all. And in the beginning, Adam turned from God and in to himself. And in so doing, he plunged the world into death and curse. And that is the life that we all know today. That's why there's selfishness and death in this creation that we engage in. And so there's two representatives. There's Adam and then there's Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible says, is the second Adam. So where all of us fail, the Son of God, Jesus, took charge. So he lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death on the cross that we should have died. And on Easter Sunday, he rose again to a new life. And the wonder is, the good news is, this new life can be ours if we are one with him. Three, two, one. You. You are one with Adam. Be one with Christ. I want to say it again because I don't know everyone in this room. You are one with Adam. Be one with Christ. You know, we're all part of the selfishness of Adam. We all feel the curse of the brokenness of this world. But the good news is, Jesus offers us new life. 
sisters, brothers, friends, people I've not yet met. When we trust in Jesus, we become one with him. We give, the Bible says we give Jesus our selfishness and sin and he deals with it on the cross. And in exchange, Jesus gives himself to us forever. And then we can now enter this family of love of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We get to you join in with this community of love. Better still, we can know his Father as our Father. We can know his Spirit as our Spirit. We can know his future as now our future. And Jesus will come again to judge the world. And he's going to raise up men and women to eternal life and to the peace of God, everlasting. One day, one day, God will judge the world. And he's going to confirm his no to all of those people represented by Adam. And he's going to give his yes to all those people represented by Jesus. That is what the Bible teaches. That is life according to Jesus and his kingdom. So if the band could start coming up now, please. So what is our response? Right now, I'm trying to catch your eyes before we sing our final song. Right now, the Son of God, he offers you hope and forgiveness and eternal life in the family of God. That, that's, what he's, that's what Jesus is offering you this morning. That's what the Bible clearly teaches. But we need to call out to him. This is what the Bible says. May this last truth be in your ears and your hearing before we sing this song. This is what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. May this great truth burn in our hearts.